This is a journey. What's happening? We're here for another episode of Journey Into Sound. Yes, we are. And we have some friends with us. We do. <laughs> so from, the, from the Listening Post Facebook group, which is an eclectic mix of, of inside baseball with people who are related to the music industry, we have Ali Elabadi and yep. Woody Black. Yep. I guess I didn't ask for pronunciation before we started recording, but you, you enunciated mine perfectly. It's one of the very few times that people have enunciated my name correctly, so I appreciate the hell out of that. Thank you. That's Hello. amazing. I feel like this is a good look at how the show is going to run. And by the way, my name was pronounced correctly too, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys want to tell us a little bit about yourselves before we get into it? Yeah, my name is Ali Elbedi. I'm a food and music writer based in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I currently write for several different outlets right now, including like Racket, The Current, which is NPR's music, Minnesota Public Radio's music wing here in the Twin Cities. And yeah, that's basically all I do. Love to Twin Cities. <laughs> Minneapolis. Yeah. Minneapolis. Jane Jackson voice. Yes. <laughs> Woody, how about you? Okay. I'll introduce myself. My name is Woody Black. I'm living in Charlotte, North Carolina, but I came from Erie, Pennsylvania, born in Oklahoma. How I'm connected to the people who are listening was DJ A to the L, the DJ from, well, he's in Florida now, but he's actually like from the UK or somewhere around there. But anyway, he connected me with the listening folks all around and including Jermaine, which had the amazing native tongue posts that have us all connected. Yes. And uh, yeah, I feel like I came there because I'm a big fan of music, but native tongues specifically is the one that's directly responsible for me to open up my mind to eclectic music and have us connected here. I used to write for, I'm not a journalist, but I used to write for music blogs, like Little Brothers okay. fan sites, rapreviews.com. But I never wrote reviews, I wrote news. Oh, I also, uh, I'm, I'm also a DJ and try to learn beat makers through DJ Jazzy Jeff okay. online course. So yeah, and I appreciate okay. being here. Glad to have you here. And if, if the cat's not out of the bag yet, Today, we're going to be talking about the Native Tongues Collective. Mike and I did an episode on Queen Latifah a little while back, so we've touched on it there and gave shout outs to Trugoy the Dove and his passing recently. Rest in peace. Yeah. Where should we start? For those who don't know, how do we describe Native Tongues? I always like to say Native Tongues is a loose collective of like-minded individuals from the East Coast. That is pretty accurate as far as I'm concerned. Although yeah. in doing some of my, my, my nascent research for the show, who is and who isn't a member of native tongues versus like an associate can get a little nebulous. What? And yeah. apparently at some point Q-Tip have included the far side in there, various West coast artists who are in the same vein, if you yeah. will, or like yeah. common from Chicago. Right. But mm-hmm. for the most part, they are New York based and that's kind of how the core yes. group members came together and we should get into later on the, those nebulous edges. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to, to me, native tongues is, is De La Tribe jungle. And 
everybody else is kind of an associate. Fair. So it's basically everybody who is on Buddy. Okay. <laughs> Black Sheep and Chiali, and then everybody else is uh, a satellite, kind of. I mean, that's a valid way to put it. So. Yeah. I mean, I would also count Latifah and Moni. Yeah. yeah. I think it's important for women to be represented in the Native Tux Collective. And it was very clear from the onset that Moni and Queen were both part of the Native Tongue outfit, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, absolutely. So we can do a round robin here. What was your introduction <laughs> to the Native Tongue Collective? And I'll say mine was definitely Dale off the jump i was very much a child of mtv so like i was into the bangles and van halen and stuff like that but as far as like hip-hop went in general my first tape was de la souls three feet high and rising and when i heard me myself and i and saw the music video for it, my world entirely changed as i know it because here were three guys who were just being true to themselves true to their art and really like trying to break down what was going on around their lives and it didn't have to be taken to a maximalist bravado so to speak they were able to just be entirely and wholeheartedly themselves they could be as quirky as they wanted to be they could be as funny as they wanted to be and all of it could coexist within that same realm so i for me it's three feet high and rising without contention nice specifically day last with the chop off quest that really opened up my mind into something new. I feel like that planted the seed in me that yes, it's about being yourself, how quirky you are, not feeling like you have to be down. Like Heavy D's once said, don't be down with anybody, let them all be down with you. <laughs> Native Tones was definitely the ones that you wanted to be down with from just being down to earth. That's what's up. For me, it was definitely, not only my introduction to native tongues but the first hip-hop music video i remember seeing ever was me myself and i mm. wow and I, I can't guarantee that it was the first but it's the first one i remember for sure and i, I was drawn to it because they were in the school and i was the smaller in frame when i was in school and kind of felt like the outcast and whatnot so the theme of that video is just i'm going to be myself it really spoke to me so that was my introduction I remember hearing Left My Wallet in El Segundo. And at that point in time, I didn't put the two and two together. But when Black Sheep said, I've got brothers in the jungle, cousins on a quest, I was like, oh, this is a crew. <laughs> that was me realizing that Native Tongues was a thing. Yeah. For me, I, I want to say it was probably also me, myself, and I. We had a show in New York City, Video Music Box, and I actually don't know to this day if Potholes had a video or not. If Potholes had a video, then they definitely played it. Okay. So I, maybe it kind of registered briefly on my radar before that. And then Our House Hue was out before that. So those two songs I knew of, but where it really crystallized in my mind was me, myself, and I. And the visual was such an important part because like everybody previously said, hip hop was really an alpha dude kind of game at that point. Mm -hmm. And you had a certain look, you had a certain presence, and it was very hard. Yeah, exactly. And De La Soul, and De La definitely came out on some we're different, and we don't care that other people think that we're different. We're being our real selves, and we're just as valid as a Chuck D or as a Rakim or a KRS or an LL, whoever. And as a nerdy 13-year-old kid, that shit was music to my ears. Not that I didn't feel accepted in hip-hop before, but the rappers that were popular were my cousins. They were my <laughs> elders. They were my cool friends. 
still I soul represented to an extent me, you know, and then like tribe and everybody after that represented the every person in hip hop. Yeah. Absolutely. Another thing I love about that is they represent being themselves, but they wasn't show offy with it. They were able to tour with NWA and Ella Cool J at the same time and EPD. Right. And it's like they added their own ingredients to hip hop without being overbearing, definitely, but still being 100% authentic and not afraid of being themselves. Yeah, I mean, Q-Tip shows up in the Cypress Hill video for... Okay, just kill me. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, you think about Q-Tip and you have a certain visual and an aesthetic in your head, and then you're like, oh, this is the dude that produced Gangsta Bitch. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and, and half of the Infamous album. Right? Yeah, which is like the grimiest shit ever. Yeah, I mean, Q-Tip's production, I, I can't say it's underrated, because people who know, know, and give him mm -hmm. the props, but I think... The whole Uma thing got confusing there, and people just assumed that Ali Shaheed was the producer because he didn't do a lot of rapping. And even in the the recent Dilla documentary, he talks about he gets credit for stuff that Dilla did. Dilla gets credit for stuff that he did. And it, mm -hmm. but the flip he did of Norman Connors on that Mob Deep record. If you listen to the two records back to back, it's like he pulled this out of what? <laughs> <laughs> so that bass. Yeah, I don't think Tip gets enough props as a producer. I think he gets overshadowed by Dilla. And back in the day, I mean, we were kids. I was a kid for sure. I thought that Ali, just because he was the DJ, the DJs did the production, right. assumed that he did the production on a lot of those Tribe records. But you think back again, like the Mob Deep records, Crooklyn Dodgers, One Love by Nas, all that stuff, that's Tip. He was really the music-focused person, I would say, not just in tribe but in the native tongues period tip was the musician mm -hmm. also and I, I picked this up doing some of the research the beat nuts go largely uncredited for their role because they produced most of chi ali's album some of the money love stuff but they were part of the crew and they were mainly producers before they came out with intoxicated demons yeah. there was a quote from psycho less i think he says we felt like the black sheep of the native tongues crew even though there was a group already called black sheep yeah. <laughs> but yeah they had a lot of heavy production lifting as well yeah no go ahead there's a whole tangent we can go on about mariah and her dalliance with hip-hop <laughs> oh yeah i mean she also did have the mob deep remix for her name with the roof yeah, yeah she had the breakdown with bone Yep. One of the few people that could flow to Bones' cadence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously the ODB and... I mean, she's... I feel like after Mary J, Mariah's worked with more singers than any other singer in the game. Yeah. Yeah. That's about <laughs> accurate. Although I would make the case for Janet, too. Janet did did have did have her moments, especially on the remix circuit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forget about the Uma remix of Got Till It's Gone as well, the JD Revenge remix. Well, okay. Let's get into that. Controversy <laughs> around that song. <laughs> because, because, well, there's the official story, but what do we really think? <laughs> I mean, Jam came out and was like, they had nothing to do with that record. And Did he finally he come said, out and say that? He said Tip and Dilla had nothing to do with that record. He said that was all him. It was pretty much all him, which... <laughs> that's I'm the official sure. version <laughs> I, I feel like Janet could have gone to them and been like yo I want something that sounds like a tip record and they were able to kind of like recreate it I think that's possible I don't feel like well Jam would take credit situation where he, he like did where like Jam and Lewis did he find the record because I wouldn't be shocked by them taking credit for what 
Tip and Dillo laid down as a demo in it, in initiality, as far as that's concerned. But it's funny because that record is so spare. It doesn't have any big production to it. It's such an understated record. It almost feels demo-ish. Yeah, but then also the swing it to it. Swing. Like the way that that swing goes. In, in yes. Song, it's a Dilla swing because there isn't really another way where those drums come in on time. Nobody else is doing drums like that. Yeah, yeah. nobody. <laughs> we'll never know. Unless Janet goes on D Live or something and does a tell all. So. Yeah. I believe that's why D's remix is called JD's Revenge yeah. Remix. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I feel like they were definitely on their Dilla band. Although Jimmy, Jim, and Terry Lewis are great producers in their own rights. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not taking anything away from them. Yeah, exactly. Like try, trying to argue over God Till It's Gone with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis is like trying to argue like one song out of a massive hit catalog that they contain. Yeah, it's like, right. Not taking yeah. anything away from them whatsoever. Like they made human leads human. So yeah. <laughs> For real. I mean, while we're here. Yeah. And I mean, there's still a lot to get into, but while we're here, do we want to talk about the legacy from native tongues to soul quarians. There's definitely a bridge to be drawn. I mean, like I would say with the soul quarians, it was more so a situation of space rather than a situation of collective, because you got to think about when the roots were making specifically things fall apart. They stayed housed in electric lady studios. D'Angelo was recording there. Erica was recording there. Common was recording there. So even Questlove goes into accurate history about like how they were just literally going upstairs and downstairs the whole time to play on records as far as that's concerned during that whole quote-unquote Soul Quarians era where I think Native Tongues is more so an ideal and a mindset Mm. more so than anything else. When we look at the two in terms of collectives, Native Tongues ran so Soul Quarians could like flourish. I feel that. I got to find my way into Electric Lady. I've walked past it all the time. I got to find an excuse to go in there for like a listening party or something. I think Native Tongues was an ethos, right? It mm-hmm. was Afrocentricism and positivity and respect. And it went beyond the music. It was kind of a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's funny, I say that. And in the first record they all did together was Buddy, which is on some, you know, let's get perverted shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but Soul Quarians, there was also a tier. It was the Roots and everybody was kind of recording with the Roots at that point. So everybody kind of fell under that umbrella because they were all working under the tent of the Roots. Whereas I think, again, the Native Tongues, it was a lifestyle collaboration as well as a musical collaboration. Maybe a lifestyle collaboration more so than a musical collaboration. Yeah, and yeah. I think like... DJ. Oh, right. Absolutely. Like they were the students that really connected with each other. So let's make a crew album. I just found out that Red Alert is actually Mike G's uncle from the yeah. Jungle Brothers. So there's a direct connection there. He signed a lot of them originally, or was able to pass their demos around. Alert just did a party last night in New York, and I almost went. Red is still <laughs> oh. doing it, man. Red older than dirt and still yeah. still doing it. Yes, exactly. I actually got to meet him at Sony Hall. He was DJing over there, just like he was doing the same thing as if it was '86 or '96. Yeah, yeah, whichever year. 
<laughs> so my my partner Fran, Mike, who I guess when she was in her twenties, someone from Red Alert's crew was like hollering at one of her friends. So they all used to get to go hang out. <laughs> and she was like, even then, Red Alert was old. I, he was like my grandpa. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, man, it, Red has got to be pushing seventy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I saw him at the verses with KRS and, and Big Daddy Kane. Oh, okay. And he came out and did the bridges over with KRS, and it was dope. And like the energy was there, but also he ain't moving like he used to. But he still, yeah, <laughs> he still got the lungs. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to talk about specifically jungle, just because I feel like. People talk about Dayline Tribe all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And there were times, you know, they're my two favorite hip hop groups of all time. But I also feel like Jungle Brothers get unnecessarily left out of conversations a lot of times. I think that yeah, depends a lot on the music listener, though. Like with the Jungle Brothers, it was so interesting the space that they occupied. Because if you look at their later catalog, like Raw Deluxe and VIP and stuff like that, uh, those records they were definitely exploring the club a lot more than the effort mentioned when you think about what jungle brothers was doing they were really pushing the boundaries of music forward and stuff like that and that's something that still doesn't get a lot of praises to this day i mean it's still a fantastic album for what it is and even though like we may pan what was it done by the forces of nature is that the one with 40 below (laughs) trooper if i recall yeah that's the one after that that's the one that never came out or did it come out that's it did came out jb's with the remedy yeah, JB's with the remedy. Exactly. JB Jungle Brothers, JB. Yeah, yeah. Book of Round well, Pages. Yeah. And even throughout the 90s, the whole intermingling of hip hop and house, JB's are pretty responsible for popularizing that, at least. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'll House You is still the best hip house cut of all time. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, like, when you look at it, too, even though it's not classified as a diss towards house music, now that we have De La's catalog streaming, kicked out the house is still a pretty damn good house. You know? I'm not gonna... <laughs> Since we're here, I got to huh. also shout out NWA's Something to Dance to. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. That record gets left out of the history of NWA. <laughs> They don't talk about that at all. <laughs> at all. Like, it ain't gangsta gangsta. Like, <laughs> yep. It's like Arabian Prince with this year. Like, I'm going to be in something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically, we don't get Arabian Prince without NWA. So, I mean, right. exactly. And the Egyptian lover to an extent as well. That's yeah. right. Like, I don't fit in and yeah. fuck the police. You got to put me in something. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting because in the Straight Out of the Compton movie, Arabian Prince is on the album cover. They barely touched on that. So. Oh. <laughs> they barely touched JJ Fad. Um, right. And, like, uh, and sh- uh, shout out to JJ Fad because Supersonic was really the first big hit on Ruthless. Yeah. Yes. And, and you can't get NWA without JJ Fad making all that money from Supersonic. Right. Yeah. Ruthless blew up off of JJ Fad and Michelle A. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to get radio play, so they had to do something to get the radio play to make the money, and then they could do do yeah, yeah. do the gangster shit. 
but yeah, there's a lot of unheralded gems, particularly once you remove tribe and daylight from the conversation. There's a lot of unheralded gems in the Native Tongues and Associates catalog. There's the Chiali album, which I think is dope. Probably one of the better kid rapper. Yeah. Rapper. Oh, was Chiali. Chiali, yeah. The tragic story. It, yeah. Like, have, we, have we heard from him since he got out of prison? He's kept his nose clean for the most part. He's been chilling for the most part since left prison, from what I understood. But, I mean, the Tribe Called Quest remix to Roadrunner is the jam. Yep. Yeah. As far as I know, he's making a documentary. Yeah. Is he? Yeah, okay, that's what's up. Word. But yeah, the Chiali album is dope. We talked about Jungle. Moni had her moments. It's a shame. Yeah. Moni in the middle. Yeah. I had that first record. <laughs> I mean, ladies first. Hello. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Wasn't her second album on a Prince label or something like that? Yeah, Prince produced, I think, most of, not all of her second album. Yeah, the words, too. Yeah. Okay, that's the London part of the Native Tongues. It's mostly New York, but we had New Jersey, Queen Latifah, London, Moni Love. Also, I mentioned the late baby Chris, Chris Light. Violator. Yeah. 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 Violators. Yeah. um, Bob Power, engineer. Bob Bob, Bob Power, you there? (laughs) Bob Power is as native tongue as they come, with all due respect. Yeah, you talk about connective tissue between like native tongues and soul Aquarians. Yeah. Bob Power engineered all of those records. Did he engineer most of the De La stuff? He didn't do De La stuff. He did tribe stuff. I think the only De La stuff yeah. he did, if I recall correctly, was a Balloon Mind State. Actually, you're right, because he's on that. Like, you hear his voice on, on that. IMIB, where he's yes. like, I'm bopping, I'm getting really, really Real, tired of this. Tired of you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like yeah, he mostly did quests. And he did some Jungle Brothers, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Power did, Power did, what's it called? He did People's Instinctive, and he did Low End Theory. He may have done We Got It From Here, too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. I got I to check that. Mm-hmm. How much do you all know about Lucian Revolution? Oh, and or and, yeah <laughs> so apparently he did some production and yeah. i i can't say what he was credited on but he has a song named after him obviously yeah yeah um, and, also, and then he's also referred to on de la is dead if i'm not mistaken uh uh-huh. he? he's referred to as lucy and the frenchman on uh, the, what was it the come on everybody let's baseball cut near the yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> wow Oh, speaking of that, you remember when Plug 1 and Plug 2 did the album First Serve? A track called Pop Life, where the character Plug 1, also known as Pop, was in France, and he's hanging out with Lucien, and he's trying to holler at a French girl in that track. <laughs> wow. Shorty no mas. Man. Mahika. <laughs> we, we needed a Shorty album. We did. Yeah. I mean, the best we got is that 12-inch that she put out on Fat Beats, if I'm not mistaken. Did she put out a 12-inch? I I would like to know why she didn't pop off. Right. Especially at the Balloon Line State. Yeah. And she put out a 12-inch, I believe it was called Like This and You Like My Style, uh, in 2002, if I'm not mistaken. Shout out to my heads that remember Sandbox Automatic and the real audio clips from that track. Nice. I, I don't know if any of you watched the De La Day party from Webster Hall, but Shorty was there. Oh, word? Yeah, she was front and center for a lot of, yeah. <laughs> a lot of the party. She was there, and, and Moni and Queen Latifah did break into 
ladies yeah. first while they were performing what it just felt like such a massive class reunion that was so special yeah yeah, yeah. And well, so and like so talib filled in for a lot he did a lot of days versus and kind of playing pinch hitter and most wasn't there or Yasin Bay was there. Um, well, well, actually, to to that front, I will say that at Coachella, most did a lot of the filling in. When Daylot did the guesting on Gorillas set, when David Albron brought right. out some of the guests, like most F was the one. And then also, if I'm not mistaken, Daylot did a couple of recent performances in the UK, and most filled in for Dave's parts there. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so are we counting that generation? as native tongues also you could mm-hmm. certainly say that they were cut from a similar cloth i mean technically most was on big brother beat and i mean in addition most and the bush babies on, uh, bush babies uh, black bush and owls yeah man but yeah i feel like most and buster again kind of satellite associates and busters i feel like Honestly, if Tribe was to make another album, and now that I think about it, this kind of sounds, but I would like, they can just replace Fife with Buster. Yeah. What, because he was on a few tracks from, we got it from here, wasn't he? He was on like half that album. Yeah, right. That's right. He was a new school word. Yeah. I mean, Leaders of the New School gets overshadowed twice because... A, as part of the Native Tongues crew, they get under underserved. And then Buster is this breakout star. And people forget, aside from the scenario remix, they had other dope tracks. Yeah. Case of the PTA. Right. <laughs> yeah, man. It's interesting. You could also draw a line between Native Tongues and I'll say this name and hope I don't get struck down by lightning and Kanye. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Q-Tip was his hero. Yeah. And yeah, Kanye brought the Native Tongue vibe to Chicago. With Kanye. Yeah. And no ID was Kanye's mentor. So yeah, yeah. People like Kanye and Pharrell, they picked up where Native Tongues left off, I believe. And Pharrell, I saw him as a musical hero. NERD, that was my go to album in school because they loved Vanita Applebaum as much as I did. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, Chad is another one. Half of the Neptunes duo that doesn't get his due. I mean, there's somebody in every group, man. Yeah. There's somebody in every crew that doesn't get the shine that they deserve. So maybe Chad should form a group with like Dinko D and Charlie Brown and uh, Africa, Mr. Long. Chad produced Kenna's first album. Um, Chad produced both of the first two albums. Yeah. New New Sacred Cow and Tell the World My Name, I think. Or, or no, yeah, yeah. my name I'm thinking is Kayla's. Oh, never mind. And those two albums slap. Yes, I they fucking do. love those they albums. Do. Oh, a, it stays in regular rotation for me. <laughs> first time I heard Free Time, I was like, yo, what is this? Yeah. Well. So, uh, listeners, we've dropped a bunch of gems. If you don't know any of this history, all these albums that we're mentioning and singles, you got to go check them out. They're all on streaming now. Yeah, it's yeah. essential listening. Yeah. <laughs> Except for, uh, this is a, a constant annoyance to me, when Benita Applebaum came out 
there was a remix. It's called a Hootie mm-hmm. Mix, and it samples Between the Sheets by the Isley Brothers. I feel like it was one of the first songs to sample Between the Sheets, which has been sampled like 85 million times. <laughs> yeah. And that was the version that they played on the radio in New York in the daytime. And I, that is not on streaming at all. And I don't know if it's a sample thing. I got to see if it is because the Chocolate you know, is releasing you know, you know what? Not, not to pat myself on the back, but I had a short-lived blog called B-Sides and Bullshit where I premiered that and threw it up there. Word. So I think it still exists there if you're trying to listen to it. Oh, I have it digitally. I, I limewired that shit ages ago. Yeah. <laughs> in, in addition, I think when they did that limited edition Box 45 set for People's Instinctive Paths, they finally included it on the B-side of the 45 to the new album as well. So it might be one of those things where they got the physical rights. but Yeah, they didn't get the streaming rights. Oh, is it on the digital version of Revised Quest? Yeah. Okay. All right. I stand corrected. Yeah. That's a hot-ass remix. I got to ask, because this is will forever be a hotly contested topic. Low end theory or midnight marauders? What you got? <laughs> it always depends on the day. Depends on my mood. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all are too mature. Come on. <laughs> if you put a gun to my head, I'll go midnight marauders. But it really does depend on my mood. I, I go low end theory, theory because there's only one skip for me on midnight marauders. Which one is that? What is it? What's that? Chase, or is it We Can Get Down? No, that's not the one. I mean, I'm not saying the title, just because I want to come correct and be respectful. (laughs) It's it's always the track before midnight. I'll say it like that. Okay, is it the sucker track? Yep, that's the one. See? Yeah. I love that song. I mean, that album means so much. I mean, both the beat, albums mean beat on it is slamming, but it's just like I, I have to skip it each time just because I want to be respectful and be like, okay, I got to move on. Let me, let me hear Midnight. Because <laughs> Midnight is always just a better beat for me. And something about the vibe of Midnight just makes you feel That's like my joint. in that street at Midnight, seeing all of this play out. That is my joint. I like that whole album. I love Midnight Marauders. Midnight Marauders is... One of my probably might be my favorite hip hop album of all time. Um, okay. But the Midnight track, shout out to Raphael Sadiq, that record is so, so dope. And you're right, it's very cinematic sounding. Like yeah. it puts you right there. Yeah. The Sergeant Peppers of, of hip hop. <laughs> <As they say. laughs> like, I feel like to be a Sergeant Pepper, it has to be something that reinvents the group because people didn't think of the Beatles. From Love You Do to Sergeant Pepper is totally different. And Daylight That's Soul fair. did that in a few years from Three Feet Higher Rising to Daylight Soul is dead. I mean, if, if that's the criteria, then we need to look at Stakes as High. Right. Yeah, I feel like Stakes as High is more of a display of MC showmanship on Stakes as High. Yeah. Because, like, you know, some of the verses that Pasta News has on Stakes as High just rivals any, like, I always said that Pasta News is always in my top 10 of all time. Just the way that he's able to freaking flow and stuff like that. And every time when people are like, well, what's the record that you would say like Pasta News deserves to be in there? It's always stakes as high. Yeah. Yeah. Just the vocal samples from phrases from that song that have shown up in 
other places and yeah. meet Dave's sick verse. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Dave I mean... kills that song. <laughs> yeah. And for every pasta new standout moment on Stakes as High, Dave has an equally important and vital role to play within Stakes as High as well. Yeah. I mean, not to say that yeah. he didn't have it's that so easy. On most of the Daylight albums, but like yes. Stakes as High is where it's like heightened. Like Doggy Dog, for example, is one where Dave absolutely steals the show. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say A Better Listen is another verse of his where he does a fantastic job of it, too. Like, that whole storytelling verse where it's like a conversation between him and Paz. So great. Yeah. They made so many leaps qualitatively as MCs over the course of their career. Like, Three Feet High is a dope album. Their rhyming is kind of rudimentary. It's kind of sing-song-ish. It's kind of simple, whatever. It's catchy, for sure. <laughs> but they're not Rakim. Yeah. What was great about De La on the Three Feet High and Rising era is the inside jokes that Prince Paul brought to the table that were allowing them to express their full humor capacity. And in addition, they also did bring to the fact, I think it was in the Apple Music before the catalog started streaming, was where they said even though it was elementary and stuff like that, a lot of it was just based on routines that they would practice in their basement. So that's why it had such an elementary feel to it. They were teenagers. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I mean, when you look at Grandmaster Flash and the Furious 5 and stuff like that, it's definitely in that vein like, style as far as that's concerned because it's not far off, but what they're able to do with that style is they definitely heighten it and change the face on it instead of being like, hey, we're the best MCs, da 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 this, that, and the third. It's more so here's what's going on in our realm of where we live in Long Island and stuff like that. That's right. Yeah. It, it, it in their own. Oh, yeah. They were heavily influenced by the Cold Crush Brothers. They didn't bite, but they definitely had an influence. They also on record had said in that same Apple interview that they were chasing after Ultramagnetic. So you could Ultra definitely Magnetic. see a lot of that being present. These are simple yep. back and forth the same. Oh, really? I feel like the, the way they flow and De La Soul's flow, like their own cadence that they use throughout almost the whole song. That is mentioned to be like almost sing songy that furthers echoes their chain to speak so to speak and i definitely Have think like when, you, when you listen back to three feet high and you compare it against de la soul is dead de la soul is dead feels like more so like them kind of like really shedding into their own skin and kind of becoming their own persona because you hear it on lines like in past the plugs where he's like tommy boy wants another say no go or stuff like that where a lot of people are like oh you guys are the hippies and all it's like <laughs> No, don't get it twisted. We are from here, too. We grew up in the same streets. <laughs> right. And That's why we got Afro connections at High Five. <laughs> right. And you can be suburban and still be able to throw hands or whatever it is. I think a lot of people mistook Daylight for being soft. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Long Island is a different vibe. Yeah. It's no Depending less on the part of Long Island. Yeah. <laughs> Because Buster comes from Long Island, Chuck right. D and Flav come from Long Island, and it was the 80s, so everybody was throwing hands in the 80s. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So I think they definitely got a bad rap as being soft. And then you also got to look at, as dope as me, myself, and I, and Say No Go were, they were both based on really, really popular songs that yeah. were sampled. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, Parliament and Hall and Oates are, are, that just goes to also show the diversity that they had among samples because everybody was relying upon Funky Drummer. Everybody was reliant upon synthetic substitution and stuff like that. De La was kind of like the first. I would say also, like, this gives flowers to Prince Paul as well, is the fact that anything from there was fair game. I mean, you look at the title of Three Feet High and Rising, it was based off of a Johnny Cash song, Five Feet High and Rising. Right. So they pulled from anywhere and everywhere they could, as far as that's concerned. If it wasn't for De La Soul, I wouldn't have discovered Steely Dan as, as quickly as I did. Yeah, you know? I mean, for them to take Parliament and really give it a, a certainly a more different twist than a West Coast cat would is something that's already a champion worthy in, in my own eyes. Agree. Yeah. I mean, I will actually, I was thinking about that when we were talking earlier. <clears throat> I will give Native Tongues props for essentially inventing the remix, flipping songs the way Puffy eventually got props for, but taking a song and turning it into something completely different as opposed to just giving it a different beat, changing the lyrics, all that stuff. Right. Because the Buddy remix... It's a different song. It's a different sample. Some verses are the same. They added some verses. Um, but between Buddy and Benita Applebaum and Scenario, like the Native Tongues really invented the remix, the hip hop remix, the way that we know yeah. the hip hop remix to be. Yeah. And I mean, and that's not even including like stuff like Brainwashed Follower ain't hip to be labeled a hippie on the B side of yeah. Samuel Go. Double Huey skit. Yeah. What was the, which single was it? The three sided single they put out? Myself and I. Yeah. Was that was myself and I. Yeah. yeah. So for, for listeners who don't know, they put out a vinyl record and the A side was one track. The B side was, what do they call it? It was double tracked. So there were two B different, side C side. yeah, there were two different grooves on the B side. So mm-hmm. depending on how you place the needle, you could be hearing two different songs on yeah. the, on the B and C side of that, of that particular track. So dope. Yeah. Yeah, the first to do a lot of things, but the last to say it. Need to place it on a scale to wait. Actually, and this might be a tangent, but I can't explain how mind blowing it was when I first heard the rock cocaine flow beat. Yeah, <laughs> Jake one. Like just changing oh, tempo yeah. mid verse. Yeah, <laughs> was yeah insane. And also, again, you could make a case for third base in doom to be native tongue adjacent yeah yeah prince paul did do gas face indeed yeah yeah didn't don newkirk do some some stuff don with? newkirk's the announcer on yeah, Rising. Gas yeah. Face. Yeah. Yeah. thanks search yeah. and now <laughs> and now for the prime minister <laughs> rest in peace i mean along that lines stone throw at one point in time, could have been said to have carried on the legacy. I don't want to say they were connected, but in terms of the vibe. Now, a lot of political stuff has happened there. (laughs) Well, I would actually argue that even before Stone's Throw was present, Hieroglyphics and Project Blood carried a lot of of that torch, to be frankly honest. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you could also make the argument in some way, shape, or facet that Again, controversial take, but Lynch Mob was also similar to like a Native Tongues-esque vibe with having Dell and the Lynch Mob and Yo-Yo and yeah. stuff like that as well. 
lighter shade of brown. <laughs> lighter shade of brown. Ooh. Oh, deep cuts, deep cuts tonight. Damn, deep tonight. cuts today. <laughs> All right. Damn, you went there. But I mean, like when you look at Project Bloated and you look at what the work of Freestyle Fellowship and AC alone did, it's very much in that same native tongue. Oh, yeah. As far as that's concerned, I would say the Good Life Cafe and the MCs that it produced was very much yeah. native tongue influenced as far as that's yeah. concerned. Because I mean, when you listen to Freestyle Fellowships to whom it may concern, where he talks West Coast styles coming from East Coast pollution. Yeah. That's a direct nod to the native tongues right there. Whatever happened to that uh, Project Blow documentary? I know they were working on it. I, think, I don't know if it or... ever came out or what's going on with it, but like, I would love to see it come out because they got a Grammy nod, but they didn't win the Grammy f- for best retrospective re-release for uh, to whom it may concern. Oh wow! Nice. I'm trying to find that. Yeah, if we can find it, we'll definitely have to link it in the show. Yeah, notes. throw it in the show notes. Yeah. For know, those fan- who don't know about Project Bloat, I mean, maybe that's a whole other episode. The infamous day that Fat Joe got shut down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you brought up rock cocaine flow, and I want to give props to A, the grind date, and B, we got it from here, thank you for your service. And two albums that came out long after you thought that these groups had a heyday, but they're as good as, to me, as most other albums in their catalog. I'm willing to also, yeah. also take that a step further and include the love movement in that stuff in there because i run so hot and cold on that record (laughs) the love movement was good got me through high school so i loved it at that point in time i know it gets shit on a lot but like i mean you gotta also look at the love movement coming out on the same day as three other albums coming out the same exact day so obviously one of those things are going to get overshadowed but i would say it's it's one of those that you got to go back to and listen to with an ear especially the dilla production on that alone but even yeah. that and beats rhymes in life to to a degree as well. Like when you listen to wordplay, like you don't get bullshitting without wordplay and stuff like that. Well, you know, we gotta throw in the the infamous nobody. Yeah. As well. Yeah, the, the anonymous nobody. Uh, anonymous nobody, sorry. Yeah. See, okay. I put in a bunch of money. I, I put in for the Patreon or whatever the hell they did, bank for that Kickstarter <laughs> for that record. I remember getting that Me record, too. I was like Damn, I'm disappointed. And I've never been disappointed by a De La Soul album before. But going back to Beats, Rhymes, and Life, speaking of disappointment, I will say getting that record, getting that tape, and taking it home after the high of Midnight Marauders might be one of the five most disappointing musical experiences I've ever had in my life. Damn. And I have grown to like Beats, Rhymes, and Life a lot more in the years since. But my expectations were here. Mm-hmm. And it ended up like here. Mm-hmm. I also think it was one of those things where, as we talked about in our Grammy episode, Mike, it was so out of left field at the time. And, and again, addition, people like did, people didn't know Dilla Beats yet, right? And then it was also just a different time. I mean, you got to look at what the rap landscape was looking like around that time. I mean, you had Nas with It Was Written. You had Outkast with the Aliens. You had Jay Z with Reasonable Doubt. I mean, you had so much right. changing in the rap landscape. Where the East Coast was trying to be mafiosos. The South was trying to do what the East Coast was doing, but better. And the West was pretty much being unheard from because nobody gave respect to the West until West Side Connection came back with Bow Down. Yeah. 
Well, that was right after Tupac had died. So yeah, Beats Rhymes and Life came out right before Tupac passed. I think it was summer of '96. I don't know. To me, Beats Rhymes and Life just sounded too R and B. And I say that as a huge R and B fan, but I wasn't expecting a Tribe album to say. And I think Tip sounds tired. Yeah, but but I mean within reason, right? Because I mean it's it's kind of a syndrome of Illmatic that I kind of noticed when the albums don't hit sales wise like they should with the critical acclaim. We had a weird era in the '90s too, where the critical acclaim and the sales never matched up with one another. Yeah, oh, yeah. Illmatic is a clear cut example of that. Reasonable Doubt is another clear cut example of that. Something that was critically lauded, but never got the sales and the shine that it did but then you go on to volume one and volume two getting platinum status but also like kind of like being <laughs> a harbinger of quality so to speak yeah. right so it, mike how did you feel about tip solo stuff if that came renaissance that? is dope i love that renaissance is a great album i love that album the album that he shit canned uh, the two the albums abstract. that he shit canned open and kamal the abstract both those albums are dope. Mm. Okay. Abstract, I remember getting in when I was in college radio and people listened to Barely in Love like, no, not Tip. Anybody but Tip, no. <laughs> <laughs> he oh, was kind of doing him and it was different and I think it worked. As someone who kind of likes left of center stuff, I remember like when Amplified came out, everybody I knew was just like, what? <laughs> and I think Part of it was aesthetics. I always feel like Amplified is like the direct to DJ Quick moment. Like you guys remember when DJ Quick on Let's Get Down before he began his rap? He was like, you didn't think we could yes. flip it on your ass, huh? And uh, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. to like Tip Amplified was, was, a lot more. A lot of people didn't think Tip was capable of making such a club banger like Vibrant thing, but he did. And that yeah. shit slapped. Yeah. Breathe and breathe and stop. Yeah. Yeah. Breathe and sound. Yeah, it was a weird ride still goes so hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was a weird imagery thing because around that same time he was also on that Hot Boys remix with Missy. And he's like, What about the type of heated nigga hole? Like blah 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 blah. And we're like, yo, tip, what happened? (laughs) when he put on the fur coat and the, the shiny suit and stuff. When you look at it though, I would say that him and Nas were going through a similar thing because like when oh you yeah, they hate the me now. Of their discography, thing. like at that time, they both dumbed down a lot to really try to be on the level of their peers and catch that contemporary acclaim, so to speak, that came with it. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I don't know what you're talking about because I have erased Nostradamus from. from... <laughs> well, not that. Not that. <laughs> I've wiped it from my memory. <laughs> not that, but only back I like it was, it, was written, it was written more so as far as that's concerned, around that same era, so to speak. Yeah. Trackmaster's era. Yeah, fair Shorty. enough. I actually I liked you, It Was Written. Yeah. I love you, Omi. <laughs> oh, man. I like them, too. Well, Damn, Woody. Woody, we need to talk. <laughs> sure thing. Sure thing. Sure thing. I'm here all day. The, the truth of the matter was, like, yeah, it was Poppy and whatnot. Godson was when people were like, okay, Nas is back to form. I mean, and then he dropped, then he still Matic off. before that. The Jay-Z beef saved Nas's career. Well, the Stillmatic thing got him on the board again. It was still poppy. Right? Godson is when he went back to the boom bap stuff. 
if you guys have a chance, there was the Pitchfork review just recently of Nazistomatic that was revisited that kind of talked about that era of beef and stuff like that and how a lot of people say that Stillmatic was like Nas, quote unquote, buried alive after takeover and stuff like that. But Ether was the thing that made him be like, I'm still here. Regardless, hungry, and yeah. I, or the I'm still standing. Kind of like his Elton John, I'm still standing moment. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was coming off of You Owe Me and Uchiwali and those were big hits, but also like, People who were checking for Nas were like, what is happening? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, at the same time, I mean, when you look at that practice of dumbing down f- to help get yourself more of an audience, as far as that's concerned, I mean, like, maybe maybe that's because something like where we all bought Beats, Rhymes, and Life, and we were just all equally disappointed, like, what happened? What's going on? Who's this Uma thing? Who's Dilla? Right. Who's consequent? We didn't know anything about what was going on internally and like how the label politic could played it within that as far as their frame and their state of mind and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, have either of you seen the the company man video where they talk about the day that stakes is high and and it was written dropping? That's right. So they, they dropped on the same, same day. day. I remember, I bought them and both on the same day. Basically say that's that was when underground split from mainstream and then you've kind of found these two tracks because black star was coming out in the same era that we're talking about right yeah and maybe they weren't having the same level of sales but we were all talking about it just as much right yeah right yeah it's a weird dividing line man yeah the deaf jucks and yeah all that was happening around that time has everybody gotten a chance to listen to the uh, the remasters yet of, of oh, the Daylock catalog. I have. I've streamed through them all. Yeah. Non-stop since they dropped. Have we identified changes? Yeah. I've <laughs> picked out I've, one. I've got several. They mainly fall within the three feet high and the De La Soul is dead specifically. Yeah. And basically, this just revolves around an open question I ask because I have the OG version of De La is dead. And if I'm not mistaken, there's not much difference between past the plugs on the album version of the old CD and past the plugs on this new CD. I don't think the James Brown sample was ever removed. They just sung it themselves as opposed to paying the James Brown sample fee, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they did say they replayed a lot. Yeah. Another thing, the peas porridge, where like they let the sample run through, but then at the tail end, on that song, it's Mace that says peas porridge in a pot, and then he keeps saying it until it gets to the nine days old sample coming back in to save it. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's also what's it called? This is a recording for living in a full time era. Different voice. Yeah, Maceo is the one saying it as opposed to the sample. Interesting. Wasn't there an Eddie Murphy sample that got dropped as well? Oh, yeah, it just got cut off. Then also, like, why isn't the demo version of Plug Tuning on the Dela album? Yeah. It's just notice that it just ends on Daisy Age, but doesn't have the demo version of Plug Tuning to finish it out. Not like on the normal cassette did or the normal CD did. So interesting. I mean, the only thing I noticed is on Ring Ring Ring, there's a vocal sample. The Whatnots record that they sampled is still there, but there's a sample from like one of the verses in the chorus of Ring 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 that's not in the chorus anymore. Hmm. Huh. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. No, wait. Yeah, because there's like a little bit of a background vocal that gets cut out in yep. Ring. Now that you mention it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's the part. But <laughs> yeah. it's the same that, record. Now, now that you mention it, I noticed that was missing too. Yeah. But not, so there's another record that everybody mistakes the sample. It's the same baseline as the Whatnots record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I know exactly what you're talking about too. I think yes. Larry's. Yes. yes. The Fatback. Yeah. Yeah. The instrumental sample is the same, but the vocal sample they removed somehow for some reason. Yeah. Weird yeah. music nerd shit. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, you guys got I mean, any pluggables? Pluggables. Oh, Actually, sorry. I want to ask one question first. Go ahead. Before we do the pluggables, I want everybody to make a snap judgment. Favorite mm-hmm. Native Tongues record of all time. Uh, are we talking about back then and now, or are we just talking now? Like, Hold, well, as of this day in 2023, if you could only pick out one record, one Native Tongues record from your collection. I definitely was doing my compare and contrast, because thankfully I still have my takes in the house. So I'll listen back to the tapes and be like, oh yeah, okay. But aside from that, surprise, everything else is pretty damn intact. Yes, yes. I'm like thoroughly uh, surprised. Media, the Crystal's record, they did a great job maintaining. But now the question remains: When are we getting the De La B sides? I mean, I mean that's a whole other live, sampling. At, at the very least, we have to get the live at Clear Lake Auditorium. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got to point out some heresy that's out in the world right now. Yes. If you go to Spotify or YouTube Music or title even and you type in native tongues mm-hmm. there's an album that's going to pop up called tricknology by some random dudes using the native tongues name oh, God. <laughs> and apparently it dropped in 2018 and i was like oh is this something that happened that i didn't hear about and i started playing it and within about 30 seconds you're like nah this ain't really? who we think it is but it gets labeled as like the native tongues we know yeah, I see exactly what you're talking about. That's a different native tongue. I, even, I, I don't yeah, think you can't do that. Yeah, you can. Well, another question as well that we didn't really touch on. Now that it's out into the world, and like now that it's all available for streaming, have your feelings on the AOI series changed? I liked it then. Okay. I mean, one and two. Yeah. Yeah, I will say. I was, the people that are unnecessarily panning what we do for love with Slick Rick, no, that's not the way. <laughs> I'm saying it. I'm sorry. I, was, I gotta be the I person. Was, that song goes. I like that, one. I like that song does I like go. That song. I was ambivalent about one, but I loved two. Like, I loved, loved, loved Antibiotics. Oh, what was the track they had with the alcoholics? You're talking about uh, my raps. My raps. Yeah, yes. My raps. That, that slaps. That still goes. Like, yes. oh, good. Yeah. I will say only the only one that doesn't go is Pound Star on on two, but only because yeah. it's so gratuitous. Oh, and I don't know if it's just me getting older, but I'm just like, okay, that's enough. Like I don't need all of that. Chorus moans. They say we're Chorus still going to get down. three. Yeah, they. I are mean, they were working that. on an album before Dave passed. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to get their own. We got it from here. So. Yeah. Oh, can I? Go off on my gripe. Go off, Talk your my, shit. about go off, King. About BET. Yes. <laughs> ah, yes, sure. 
Oh, we talked about this before. I mean, I I worked for them for a short period of time. (laughs) I have a particular bias. In 2004, I guess it was. Yeah, they refused to play shopping bags, saying that shopping bags, and then they also refused to play Little Brothers loving it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Too intelligent, saying that they were no longer relevant and too intelligent. I got a little pissed off because when they did the reissue, BET is the first to talk about, oh, the legacy of De La Soul and I how mean, much we missed them. And yes, Mike, you've pointed out that there's probably not the same staff. Yeah. But you at least got to mention, we messed up. Like, right. There yeah. should be a we fucked up in there somewhere. They're, they're absolutely 110%. Yeah. Without question. I mean, because at that point in time, that definitely had an impact on sales it did oh yeah Yeah, i mean if you weren't on bet the average younger music fan who was fucking with bow wow and all them other cats wasn't even gonna like right know who you were yeah so i'm still a little salty about that i remember how i found about grinding was seen it on the best buy newspaper ad oh yeah Yeah. i was working in a record store so i knew (laughs) (laughs) The, the ball was definitely dropped and promotion of the album when it and came out. Shout out to Matthew Knowles for uh, yeah, for yeah. signing De La Soul and putting that yeah. album out after the Beyonce's Tommy did. Boy deal ended. Beyonce's yeah. dead, absolutely. And they also did put out that uh, Living Color record, if I'm not mistaken, on Sanctuary. Oh, which record. one? Forgot him, yes, but that, Living, that oh, came man. out on Sanctuary Media. Kaleidoscope? Too. I think it was. Okay. Yeah, Kaleidoscope was the one that came out after they left Sony and then Corey put his album out. And then I think Kaleidoscope Sony. was the next record. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So, so Matthew Knowles yeah, did. We need to do a Living Color episode, Jermaine. Yeah, God. let's do it. I'm still so. of the conviction that Corey Glover is one of the best rock vocalists of all time. Oh, 100%. Oh, yes. Yeah. Corey Definitely. Glover and Matt Yo, yeah. I saw, I mean, now we're going off a tangent. I saw Living Color the night after the Mike Brown verdict. Wow. I saw them in concert. And that show was like, like explosive. It was in, a, in Boston, of all places. Ooh. One of the five best shows I've ever been to. Nice. That's given James Brown in Boston. Yeah, James Brown in Boston vibes. So shout out to Corey and Vernon. Yeah, and they also, if I'm not mistaken, they did a covers record a while back where they redid a version of Biggs Who Shot You dedicated to gun violence. They did Who Shot You. That shit bangs. They did Who Shot You and they did Heartbreak Hotel by the Jacksons. Yep, this place yeah. hotel. Yeah. And both of those go off. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I mean, nice. I'm convinced. Like, even, even like 20 years from now, I feel like they're still rock the shit off. Yeah. <laughs> Corey's going to be in a wheelchair screaming his ass off. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm With still, pink I'm ass dress. Yeah. I want people to continue to their pops as well. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So <laughs> what? Now back to the pluggables, I guess. We didn't get to my question. That's right. <laughs> yes, we did not get to your question. I am IB. Um, That's my answer. Okay. Well, was the question regarding album or song, I'm, just to make sure? Either or. I'm going stakes as high as favorite, but if you're asking me most representative of native tongues, gotta go scenario. Yeah. Here we go, yo. Yeah, definitely. So oh, man. That's people me. don't even <laughs> nine two one oh 
fans love the scenario. Right. That, that oh. song became much bigger than the group. And that's the only song on the radio that you could hear Fife singing, busting that inside your eyes. I'd see it. <laughs> and, and, and not having censored. So, yeah. It's like Lil John when he said skeet, skeet, skeet. Fife always had the ill, like, bust a nut inside your couch. Now you got Siemens furniture. Yeah, yeah. you got that on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> Which out. Not the, coming from New York. I was going to say, until the Michael Rappaport documentary, not being from New York. <laughs> Siemens furniture was a thing. Yeah. Was an absolute thing. I'm going to have to go with De La Soul is Dead just because I ran the hell out of that tape. Everything from the skits to the samples to the production, everything is just top notch on that album. All right, Ali, get yours in. <laughs> yeah, so I, I will say now with everything in tow, De La Soul is Dead is absolutely top of the pops for me. I, I will say I did not appreciate it then as mu- because I was still young, but now with an older mind frame and getting to listen to it and revisit it again, it makes me realize why I loved it for all the same reasons that I love Three Feet High and Rising. And I would say De La is Dead is everything that I love about Three Feet High taken up a notch and in a more mature mind frame song wise uh, if i I have to absolutely go song wise the one song that i gotta ride with is ring ha ha hey because that was my first voice ringtone and that was my first (laughs) voicemail so anytime people called me that was my voicemail reading (laughs) got an answer machine i can talk to you exactly If I got to find this somewhere, I still have the CD I know. Oliver Wong did a, a Native Tongues mix that stays in rotation for me with a lot of the remixes and B-sides. If I can find it, I'll rip it in. Yeah, share it with us. Sure. Oh, who did that? Oliver Wong from Soul Sides, Heat Rocks podcast. Shout out Soul Sides, too. Yeah, Project projects does not get enough props as a crew. In a oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Shadow yeah, rest in peace, the gift of Gav. Yeah, yeah rest in peace, Gav. That's right. Rest in peace, Fife. Rest in peace, Dave. Yeah. Rest in peace, Chris. Yes. Yeah, saying that all at once. Newkirk. Yeah, yeah, rest in peace, Don Newkirk. Yeah. Rest in peace, Dilla. Yeah, yeah. yeah Dilla. Yeah. Does that mean we get to end um, the show by saying, you're listening to the Rap D Rap Show? Y'all got to do Oh, man. I just found a Duty Man 12 inch last week you know, on Record Store Day. I was hanging out. I was in Brooklyn and I was like, oh, shit, it's a Duty Man 12 inch. And I bought it. <laughs> Yo, with the, with the vinyl label in the front of like the little, the little poop emoji and it says Duty Man. Yes. So yes. yes. Shout out, Prince Paul. <laughs> now y'all got to do your pluggables. We got to shout y'all out. I'll let y'all set it off first. <laughs> we host the show, so we don't need pluggables. <laughs> At what? Wikipedia. Nice. Word. <laughs> he has a show called Dugout, which if you ever go on Twitch, do join whenever he uh, does a show. Yeah. That's been going for over a decade. So yes, be- before Twitch, I used to listen to De La Soul's Dugout. Yeah. Yeah. And Woody Black. Yeah. I used to always type like nerdy music facts and he just like, okay, you like Woodypedia. And I took the <laughs> one as an Mace. Salute to you, brother. Maceo. Yes. AKA PA Mix Max and Mace. Fuck me. <laughs> I love how they all got like different nicknames. They all, they all got ten names. Yeah, yeah. No. like for real. 
Dave Where can people find you, Ali? People could find me at Egypto Knuckles. Egypt like the country with an O at the end, followed by Knuckles in tribute to Frankie Knuckles. So that's where people can Bumpy. find me. Guys. Oh, see, I thought you were I thought it was a Freddie Fox Bumpy Knuckles tribute, but Frankie's dope too. Yeah. Uh, it's it's actually it's I actually did Knuckles at first unintentionally to Frankie Knuckles and then like Bumpy Knuckles came at the same time and I was like, what? I love them both. Yeah, why not? Shout out to them both. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Shout Legends. Freddie Fox. Yes. Oh, man. You don't want to bust that shit. Nah. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Speaking of adjacents, we we didn't mention Slum Village. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah, man. <laughs> they deal alone. Like, we didn't mention Electric Circus, but yeah, we definitely got to mention Slum Village. So much. I mean, yeah. yeah, shout out to Fonte. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, and that's like the testament of, of how important somebody is, right? The sphere of influence. Yeah. yeah. And we've shouted out like a hundred different people who just, have been influenced by native, native tongues. tongues influence alone. Yeah. 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 Even Kendrick Lamar and Drake and J. Yeah. Cole, who are yeah. seen as the three top guys, were yeah. influenced by native tongues. I mean, I mean Drake has particularly like shouted out little brother. Yeah, you know, and I mean, Tip was like talking to And Tip on just this generation off of the We Got It From Here, Thank You For Your Service, where he says, yeah. he says, I'll talk to Joey, yeah. Earl, Kendrick, and Cole, gatekeepers yes. of soul. They are, they are, they are the inspectors of instinctual flow. Yeah. Exactly. And Kendrick's, right. Kendrick's on that album too, given like the most fire 15 second verse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or uh, Odd Future. That's another collective. Yeah. Although I would, I would say that Odd Future is more so existed because of the nerd era, which is like still Native Tongues adjacent, but like they were more yeah, so. Yeah. Like if Native Tongues were our era, nerd was Odd Future's era. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah that's, that's what I mentioned. Pharrell, like I work with NERD, talented creator. He definitely um, took the whole Neptunes and ran with it. That's what he was influenced by. Right. Right. Yeah. If you haven't watched, Hulu put out their uh, Rap Caviar series, and uh, the first one is about Tyler and Pharrell features heavily, and they connect it early on in Tyler's trajectory. So, yeah, direct influence right there. Yeah. Shout out! Shout out to a young fifteen-year-old Pharrell for writing Rump Shaker as well. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. Oh, yeah, I see right. your high school flashing before my eyes right now. <laughs> um, but check, baby, check, baby. One, yeah. two, three. Two. But yo, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Ollie and Woody. Yes, thank you all for, for coming through on. and dropping some jewels. We yeah, went into deep music nerd yeah. territory here. Like, yeah, man. That's why we started the show, really. Yeah, that's why we decided to do this. Yo, I mean, I'm going to go listen to Balloon Mind State now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Check the bio feedback part. Yeah, seriously, I'm I'm gonna listen to that. Hope they release a lovely hour floats. Yeah, I bought a bunch of Daylight Twelve Inches, and they all have like six or seven tracks on them. And between yeah. like remixes and other tracks and like all that stuff, they should put that stuff out if it can get cleared. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they've been slowly dripping out some of the singles with the B side, like the Magic Number dropped with the B sides and. I, I can't say it's complete, but they're 
what they are able to release. I can't call it from the high school high soundtrack. Oh man! Uh, do you yeah. see that Can't on the call it. services? Can't call it. I do see yeah. that. I don't. I do see the teenage falling. Oh, falling from Judgment Night. Yeah, I love so that right. song. Yes. I love that Did song. Scratch Bastard yep. played that recently on a Tuesday morning coffee. Yeah, that song is so dope. I just love the whole rocking hip hop connection. But other than that, I, like Chanel Number Fever is not on there, but the Channel Number Fever for the Men in Black soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah, for the right. black soundtrack. Oh, uh, yeah, that needs to be on there too. And then there was also what was the song from Tribe on the Men in Black soundtrack? Wasn't it like Peace, Prosperity and Peace or something like that? Yes. Same, same old thing. Oh, same yeah. old thing. Right, 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 right. Yeah, Peace, Prosperity and Paper was on a soundtrack too. Peace, Prosperity yeah, and Paper was on the High School High soundtrack. Right. High School High. Yep. All right. Oh, oh, shit. Yo. DJ A to the L, he did a whole Spotify thing called De La Soul The Works, where he have all every single De La Soul track you can find on Spotify playlists, whether it's a oh. guest appearance or anything. Oh, wow. He did the one for a track for the kiss. I'm still fixing it because really? Shaheed Muhammad has released a lot of Jazz is Dead series. Right. He just they just put an album out. Ali Shahi Muhammad just put a record out like a couple weeks ago, I think. He put out a record with him and Adrian Young. I was gonna say you have the stuff. Yeah, yeah. So Mike, I don't even know if this Adrian Young's wife used to do my hair when what? I lived in LA. Really? Oh word. <laughs> when I had hair. Come on, Jay. You got all the connections, man. <laughs> yeah. They it's art form what? studio if you're in LA. No. Yeah. I mean, I don't got no hair either, so <laughs> The, the wildest thing is the way I knew Jermaine was through another mutual, and that helped me connect to Inca One and Sean Cantrowitz and a whole bunch of other folks on the West. I just got Sean's game. I'm waiting for people to play it with. There you go. <laughs> Once again, thank you all for joining.